Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's your Now and Again for January. Happy New Year. It's 2018. Against all odds, uh, we made it. I'm here with Nico Vasillo. How are you? I'm... I'm still standing after everything, feeling like a little girl, laughing like a little kid. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Mm. I, okay, well, 2017 took my knowledge of all the lyrics to I'm Still Standing by Elton John. I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. Uh, what, what are some other good songs that would sum up 2017 pretty well? It's the end of the world as we know it? No, you know, I think, I think that we're all still standing is, uh, is actually a testament that the world's not over. It's just in significantly worse shape. If only there was a song that's like, I'm clearly used up and worn, but I'm still around. I feel like Cher's got to have a few like that. We're getting into emo, so like we might have that exact line somewhere. Simple um, plan. Yeah, wait, wait, what about um, Song of 2017, uh, The Monster Mash? How does that... <laughs> I think that could fit. Yeah. This now is not great, um, no, but we, I, have to, we are contractually obligated to talk about it. I think, I th- okay, let me, let me, I, I love setting the stage for where I was in my life and, you know, blah, 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 and I love to tell stories, yeah. and that's why you love me. But we're in March 2004. We're in March 2004, so this is senior year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty definitively with the guy that's going to shape the next couple of years of my life that eventually leads me to my husband. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm not in, an, in any sort of special place. Uh, I, I, I have the guy and we're banging. Clearly, I've made it clear that was like super important to me in high school. It really it still is. Uh-huh. Um, A one-man American pie, too. I am. I really am. I'm, I'm Stifler and whatever the fuck Jason Biggs' character's name is all rolled into one. Yeah, nobody cares what Jason Biggs' character's name is. No, everyone just wants to see uh, Sean William Scott naked. So, anyway, I'm, I'm doing okay, and uh, something happens to you, I think, your senior year, and you know, you can, you can totally tell me to fuck off, but I feel like everybody misses all of the pop culture their senior year except for the biggest stuff because you're mostly distracted with everything else in your life. Um, all we really listened to prom weekend was Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card because our hotel was off of Ocean Avenue. It, it, there's something about your senior year that is like, no, 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 you want to save these moments exactly as they are. So it's still all your songs yes. from junior year. You know what I mean? That's how those songs like uh, In This Diary and Here's to the Night can become hits, I guess, in Ocean Avenue too, because they invoke like a nostalgia that is artificial because it's like nostalgia for the present because you are young. I feel like there's probably a word for that in some foreign language. Yeah, it's probably German, and it's probably like Jungsdorfsmump, and, you know, it's we should all just run with it. But mm-hmm. I, these songs, they might even be great. A couple of them actually are really great. I think the inarguable best Britney Spears song of all time is oh, yeah. on this now. But... I think uh, I think this record just wasn't one that like super connected with me, but I have I have ne- standard Nico anecdotes for half of it. So yeah. good. This is going to be an example of like you said, not my favorite Britney Spears song, but like easily the best and probably my second favorite. Uh, and then just like a bunch of it's it's that terrible middle. It's like the second one 
in a trilogy is the worst one, except it's not. Like, the second one's always, like, really good. So it's, like, oh. really bucking that trend. Like, oh, Act 2 Act two is just a big pile of poo-poo. Hey, no. I mean, speaking of Act 2s that are big piles of poo-poo, not to, like, you know, I don't want to get political, especially in this culture, but I fucking loved The Last Jedi, and everybody else can suck my fat dick. Uh, coming soon, best of 2017 episode, most likely Probably, even though last year I did it in January, this year I might do it in February. Uh, but that might come soon, uh, and we should definitely talk about The Last Jedi, because I'm completely with you. The Last Jedi was fantastic. Liked it more than all of the ones that I've been alive to see, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and yeah, I'm going to say the same. I, I owe it to a good friend of mine who's a writer and a, a teacher. Uh, well, professor, I'm so sorry. God, how, dim- how diminutive and insulting of me. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, his name is Bobby, and Bobby said that even the parts he didn't like, it was a hell of a ride. And like, yeah, I, yeah. I, that's exactly how I felt about it. I don't want to give any spoilers, even you know, even though I'm sure everybody on Earth, like statistically, more people than eat rice have seen this movie now. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. He, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers. I thought even the parts that I was left head scratching, I was excited that I was head scratching. I thought the answers that it gave to things about uh, The Force Awakens were confrontational in a way that made me think about what I, why I thought it was a good movie and that it definitely made me think about episode seven a lot. That's a good one word summary for it is confrontational. It really throws... It's like the funny games of Star Wars. Like it, it really is asking you, like, do you really want this? Still, like, we are going to fuck it up. Yeah. But, like, how on board are you? And you know what? It's it's almost at the point where like it it, it kind of to take where you said a little bit further. It kind of almost feels at this point like Snoke is Wario, in <laughs> terms of like how just ridiculously insane it got at times. You he just really needed to let out a wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Whoa, 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 whoa. It was amazing. Um, and As he's I, hit with a red shell. <laughs> and Toadstool 8 comes in. It's it's just incredible. Uh, I, I really liked it. Uh, I think, once again, that new trio of actors proved that they are legit mad talented. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, more so this movie. I think uh, I think Daisy Ridley is 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 a sight to behold. I am in love with John Boyega, and in love with oh god, Oscar Isaac's. I think I think the men are gorgeous and talented, and I think she is ferocious and talented. And uh, it was just a pleasure to watch. It was a real pleasure to watch. Yep. And um, for some reason, it left me with low expectations for the Han Solo movie. Like, lower than I did have just off of the one-word pitch, like, a young Han Solo movie. Um, I feel like that's going to be so much more, like, um, like top-down managed since it's dealing with uh, an established, beloved character. Um, not that, I guess, this movie didn't deal with Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, um, but I feel like it's going to just be a more... Uh, Direct, like I don't know. I would be more concerned about the fact that it's had two directors. Yeah, and I, I think that's a big part of it. Like, I'm shocked Rian Johnson got to do this, but they, like, what the fuck did, were they doing if they got rid of directors? Like, I, I don't understand because this is the movie that I feel like they pull a director from. This is just going so yeah, off. Yeah, this was the movie so that should have sent like all the red flares. Yeah, it's just not a safe film. Like, was the big complaint with the Force Awakens. 
And this had always been the plan for the second one, evidently. Like, not a lot of this is response to focus groups about the first one because this is Disney and they work way too far in advance for that kind of shit. They don't care if you like it or not. They know you're in. So, you know, I I don't know. I'm, I have low expectations for episode nine because, number one, I think it's a little bit healthier to go with slightly lowered expectations, especially when it's a J.J. Abrams thing. J.J. Yes. Abrams is, is so hit or miss. Um, I agree. And I, I think I actually really people. also like wait really mostly hit for you. Yeah, I, I would say he's mostly interesting. Hit for me. I mean, like let's. I mean, I'm just trying to remember J.J. Abrams movies here. I think Mission Impossible Three saved that franchise. Um, I, th- I I've never seen a single Mission Impossible movie. I, I wasn't a big Star Trek guy ever. Um, no, no, and as a huge Trekkie, I lit- I just, I, 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 I as, as a, as a huge, as a, I, I can't hate these movies more. Oh, that was the remix oh to God, Nick. They make me uh, right there. The who, remix to Nick, who, Nick, 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 who, Nick, 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 who, Nick, I hate them. They're so bad. They're so bad. They're like, they're literally so bad. Nick they're Nation? just not Star Trek. I'm still trying to make this pun work and it's not working. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I kind of like one. I don't like two that much. And then I like Super 8. I like Cloverfield, so yeah, like it'd be the remix to Ignition. Oh fuck me, yeah, that's right. It'd have um, to be the remix. I'd been thinking about it the whole time. We <laughs> <laughs> weren't the only one who that I like. I, that was killing me. Yeah, I I like J.J. Abrams more than I dislike him. So I'm okay with him coming back for nine as long as it's not Colin Trevorrow. Because uh, fuck me, if Jurassic World is not like one of the worst movies I've seen in the last five years. I've seen one Jurassic movie. And it, um, I've seen one Jurassic movie. It was the first one, and it was so. because uh, a bunch of guys that I was hanging out with were like, "What do you mean you've never seen any Jurassic movie?" And I was like, "I've never seen a Jurassic movie." And they were like, "That seems impossible." And I was like, "You'd be amazed at the movies I've never seen," which is why that um, the amazing guys at the Cage Club Network asking me for movie opinions. Um, and you know, I did listen to the, that thing you do episode and I did bring up cuckolding like 15 times. (laughs) So, uh, it was as bad as I feared, uh, but just as delicious and salacious. Um, but yeah. We basically do the show so that we can have an audience that, um, is like uh, a party to our scenes, but they don't know it. This is all just foreplay. We are Morpheus and the Endless, trapping you in our endless games. It's really beautiful. Our existence deforms reality. We basically put our conversations out there because we have humiliation fetishes. Um, because there's no other reason why we would put this nonsense out to the public. Especially knowing my students tell me that they Google me all the time. Oh yeah. Oh god. I oh man, you have to. I feel like I should stop making jokes like that. What do you remind me? Well, <laughs> my aunt, uh, my aunt is amazing. She's so fucking cool. And she, I think it was Thanksgiving. She was like, um, you know, I want to start listening to your podcast. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. There'll be, there'll be more to listen to soon. And she was like, oh, that's even greater. And I was like, but don't listen to the music one. <laughs> and she was like, no, I, I, I wow. and like, she was clearly insulted that I was like, yeah. don't listen to the music one. And she was like, why? And I was like. I talk about learning to touch myself to Brian McKnight, then that's going to cross your mind any time. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's, our show is bad, Aunt Sally. It's not that um, I don't want you to listen to it. It's just that we talk about cum a lot. So... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah, don't. it's just that sometimes in the background, the audio is just me cleaning off my dildo collection. So, uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, first track. Gotta get to it or we'll never save ourselves. This is just... Oh, man. This is just like a bunch of methamphetamines away from a sad scene from Breaking Bad. No doubt. It's my life. Boo! Okay, I don't think it's a bad cover. Um, I think in... I actually think it's a bad cover. I think it'd be an okay song if you didn't know the original. Um, mm, I really like how No Doubt puts together their songs. Like, musically, I think all of their songs have great, like, four-minute pop rock song structures. I think Gwen Stefani is fine. Like, I just... I don't like her as a person... Um, I'm making these big sweeping hand motions that you can't see because podcasts are not a visual <laughs> medium. But I I don't hate this song at all, and I think it's some of the best stuff that they were putting out in their like their their synth run or whatever you want to call it right before she went solo. Because like keep in mind, I maybe I'm comparing this to what I know is coming. No, next. she's already been solo. I think has it? She already been solo? I don't think so. I think that's coming soon. I think this is the tail end of the Rocksteady era. Okay. So I think we're going to get like what you're waiting for um, soon. I didn't mean to I didn't I didn't mean to cut you off. I actually I do agree with you. Like I said if I didn't know the original, I would like this one a lot more. I guess I'm just um, saving that complaint for later when we get my big yellow taxi um moment coming at the end of this. Okay. Uh I I I think I think Gwen Stefani actually sounds really tremendous on this track. I think she sings the hell out of it. Once again, and I, I just I feel bad saying it because it, it's such a dick thing to say. And this is such a dick outsider thing to say. But when I look in on No Doubt, I'm like, what the fuck do any of them do but her? I know. I've said that a million times. Like, what? And this is, I feel like this is like the third No Doubt video. And this has become a thing with, like, you could do a drinking game out of this. Um, bands with guy BT. members. E.T.? No, BT, because oh. you said drinking game. Oh. <laughs> well, now now everyone home is definitely in on the drinking game. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen, um, <laughs> Mariah Carey, Tori Amos, and now Janet Jackson. I did dead. it! Uh, <laughs> bingo. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So if, if you're in a band with, like, guy musicians and a girl lead singer, um, your band at some point apparently has to make a video where the lead singer, like, murders the rest of the band one by one. Like, I think every band like that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Paramore has a video like that. All of these bands have a fucking video like that. I think this is not the first No Doubt one either. It's that everybody laying on the floor head to toe. It's like, who is the cast shot for a TV show in the 90s? Yeah, it's like, who uh, is this band about? It's uh, it's not the people getting murdered. It is the person who gets to do a one-woman version of Chicago in this music video. <laughs> Looking back on my childhood and formative singers, one of the people that comes to mind is Gwen Stefani. And Gwen Stefani was actually, and I don't know why I didn't pick on her for it in the episode where I picked on Shakira and Jewel and did impressions of them for five minutes. Thanks for not Mm. editing that down. Yep. Um, When I think back on that, I kind of do think back on uh, crazy Gwen Stefani vocals from Tragic Kingdom and her being like, and like, you know. Sounding like Daryl Palumbo and like <laughs> wow, just yeah. killing the shit out of it and sounding so rich and so full. And 
I kind of feel like everything after. I mean, I, I'm actually just not a big fan of the stuff after Tragic Kingdom, and it's it's not like oh they sold out because the, the fuck I knew about genuine ska at ten years old. Fuck me if I thought oh, that yeah, that's thing. why I didn't like that. Mm. Like uh, the change, it's kind of like. Eric Stefani drove them ska, and without Eric Stefani, it defaulted to what Gwen was into, and that's 80s synth pop. And I like 80s synth pop, but I don't like Gwen Stefani's 80s synth pop, which is kind of like the sugary candy 80s synth pop, and I kind of needed a little bit more dark chocolate that I shouldn't be having, that I'm Mm. sneaking under the covers and hating myself. Yeah. Um, I need to, like regret it i need to feel dirty there needs to be like a hint of depeche mode in there for me yeah um and so i i i feel really bad that i'm so critical of later no doubt because uh it's it's like you said it's really well put together music it's designed to be lovable but i i guess i'm looking for that 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 crazy vocal style from the first record i think i like that crazy vocal style and i loved the story songs oh my god the climb Yeah. The Climb is like one of those songs that just like rips you to pieces inside. There's such powerful lyrics and Tragic Kingdom being uh, an assassination of the dissolution of the magical ideals that created Disneyland under the Eisner era is so amazing. And uh, it, they just couldn't do that without Eric. And that's not their fault. But I think I was into Eric Stefani's No Doubt. I completely agree with you. And I never really thought about her vocal performances are still good at this point, but they're a lot safer. And you're right, I never did put together. She isn't doing stuff like, even in the in the singles that were released from Tragic Kingdom, something like, um, is it, I always forget if it's Sunday morning or Monday morning. It's Sunday morning. Sunday right? morning. Yeah. Sunday morning or yeah. Spiderwebs. Yeah. Um, like so she's, good. she's got, yeah, kind of what you're saying with Jeweler Shakira. You're absolutely right. She's got this kind of warble that really works with what they're doing on Tragic Kingdom, and that uniqueness is all gone. Uh, but there there aren't too many bands that are doing what they're doing. And that's actually why we bring up What You're Waiting For. Yeah. What You're Waiting For was not even remotely her biggest single. It's not even close. But we bring it up like it is because it's the last time she sounds fucking nuts. I think she... Well, this might also be why I really have a soft spot for Sweet Escape, because she does some interesting stuff in that, too. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. She is... I mean, are we really going to say that she's playing it safe on Hall of Batgirl, though? This has become, like, the Gwen Stefani episode and not about... Sorry, no doubt, you still can't get a fucking shout-out even on this shitty-ass podcast 15 years later. <sighs> it's just like gonna... the band is... is you're always going to be cleaning her pool in our memory. Kind of, sort of. It's still going to be that bit we did in, like, episode yep. 10 or whatever, where it's like, hey, um, I don't know if you want to, like, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to go on tour this summer and you need a drummer or you just need somebody to, like, do your shampooing and your dog or whatever, I would just really like it if you could keep me in mind. I've sent my resume to your gardener and hope they would give it to you. <laughs> hey, hey, Gwen, um, I, uh, you might not remember me, but I, um, I played guitar in No Doubt with you for 15 years, um... I was, What's no doubt? I was just wondering uh, if you had any food. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I was just being Gwen Stefani interacting with you. Because I think she just shrieks over people. She doesn't have food. She hasn't eaten in a really long time. She absorbs the youth from young Asian oh, women. That is where um, those two went. Has Gwen Stefani ever done... Yes, she absorbed them. She, she Benjamin f- buttoned them away. Uh, it's like the end of the movie Society. Nobody will get that who's listening to this. You're welcome. Uh, go watch the movie Society. 
did she ever try acting? Because I feel like she's very emotive and she's very theatrical even in this video. Well, but like, I don't think she's someone who ever tried. She never showed up as a cameo in something or anything like that. Did she? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. I. Th- think perhaps maybe she was in the movie Go that the song New is in. I could see that. Perhaps. Uh, but uh, Tony Canal and Tom Dumont, by the way, are, and Adrian Young, I believe, are the other three members of No Doubt, just to give them their props. Uh, the, <laughs> they uh, do his, have names. His name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert Paulson. I say that to my fucking husband all the time his when name we can't was remember something. His name was yeah, Tony Canales. That's what I do all the time. Uh, but so I mean, we are kind. Okay, I'm gonna say something really. I'm gonna say something really crazy. What you waiting for could not have been just by anybody. What you waiting for was a really mm. special song that worked really well for Gwen Stefani. And I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do that thing I do where I I do that thing, but. Madonna had a song off of her really daring 1994 R&B influenced album Bedtime Stories. It had a lead single called Bedtime Story. Bedtime Story was co-written by fucking Bjork, right? And it's one of the best tracks Madonna ever releases. And it is such a brilliant music video. If you watch it now, it'll still fuck you up. It is so well made. Top to bottom, everything about this track is well made. Uh, real quick, just going to slip it in. That Bjork album from this year is pretty good. Holy shit, it's like the best fucking thing she's done since Vespertine. Yeah, it's pretty, it pretty, is pretty good. So good. Oh my god, it's all I've been listening to at the gym lately. It's so good. Oh, Jesus. I love that share that's going around where the person's like, look at this amazing butterfly. And somebody's like, you fuck, that's Bjork. Um, <laughs> from the album cover. Yeah. But... Uh, so hey, uh, speaking of really good things, uh, you want just uh, this is going to be an episode where we spend forty minutes on the first two tracks, uh, which is fine because the next like like ten of the next twelve are going to be a little real poop from a butt. Um, anything else to say about Gwen? I mean, no doubt. Yeah, no, no, I'm totally going to finish it out about the Madonna thing real quick. Oh so, shit, sorry. No, you're fine. You're totally fine. So. I, I, dude, my stories are like you, like you need a Sherpa and a canary to follow my stories. Yeah, sometimes I don't know where they end. I had to actually fight a minotaur to get here. Yeah, you actually need the three nuns from that scene in The Sound of Music and you all have to sing Climb Every Mountain, which is when you think about it and they retreat into the Alps to escape. She's like actually saying Climb Every Mountain and you want to be like, no, no, no. No, no, no. The Sound of Music did not invent the Negro spiritual. I think Fuck I can... you. So, um, so I, that I think I can follow my trail of breadcrumbs back to the start of your story, but I don't really know where we're going. So anymore. it's this really daring song by Madonna, this person who was known for these really these pop numbers, and she had just come off of being like the most hypersex she'd ever been with erotica, and she releases mm-hmm. this really daring electronic track where she does some really fascinating things with her voice, and it's a redefining moment in her catalog. And that's kind of what Gwen Stefani did here. But Gwen Stefani's worked a lot better because Madonna used somebody fringe. And Gwen Stefani did actually go safe. I, I understand what you're saying about is Hollaback Girl safe? Hollaback Girl is actually a really daring song for her to record. But I kind of think Hollaback Girl would have been a hit by whoever it was by. I by no means am insulting the, the almighty Lady Gaga, who literally every time she opens her mouth, I have more and more respect for her. She is such an incredible woman. But... Uh, I don't know that she, her. I don't know that her performances made the fame famous. I think her songwriting made the fame famous. I think 
that record could have gone to the people that those songs were written for who passed on them. And they would have... Yeah, I don't think she really found her voice till Fun yeah, Monster. Yeah, I think that first record where she's just doing impressions of the people she wrote those songs for, track after track, Just Dance yeah. sounds like a Christina Aguilera song, Paparazzi sounds like a Gwen Stefani song, Telephone does sound like it is for Britney Spears. Like, Then you get a song like uh, AA Nothing Else I Can Say, which is like, you listen to it now and you're like, how the fuck is this a Lady Gaga song? Right, how, how isn't this filler? Yeah. And it's... I mean, even even her filler tracks on that album are real fucking good, though. <laughs> that is... Yeah. I don't even love her. And I love it. And I agree with you. Um, she's such a... Uh, she's such a dynamic writer. But, yeah, that's kind of the thing. Holla Batgirl is one of the sickest beats in history. And I don't know how much Gwen Stefani contributed to the writing of that song, but if that song was by Britney Spears, it still would have been a number one. If that yeah. song was by Beyonce, it still would have been a number one. If that song was by... Just about anyone, it still would have been a massive hit. And um, I feel like that be- song like got big off of being a meme before memes were really, really like. I don't know if the the phrase meme like memes existed like that you had like all your base or belong to us and stuff like that, but I don't know if they were called memes at this point. No, that word evidently like, goes back hundreds of years. Oh well, fuck me. But like that shit is bananas. Like that whole thing. Like well, and that's the thing. She had no street cred. She had yeah, oh, no wait. street cred and got away with that song. Imagine if somebody with street cred did that it's song. It's a fucking drumline beat. Like, it is. Imagine if that song did come out of a Beyonce's mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Imagine if Beyonce is saying, I ain't no holla back girl. I wonder how much further that song would have gone. Of course, if Beyonce tried to rap Bananas, I would have punched her in the face like- because she should have just rapped Beyonce. My name is Beyonce. B-E-Y-O-N-C-E. You know what I mean? Like, Oh shit, that works. I feel yeah. I feel like this is too. This song doesn't require and actually is brought down by a strong voice. I feel like this needs like a yeah. If Christina Aguilera was on this, it would suck. Like a Maya level person. Yeah, no. Like you got to bring it down ever so slightly. Oh wait, wait, no. We're supposed to be talking about it's my life, not <laughs> the complete history of Gwen Stefani. Um, okay. This has been Stefani Cast. This uh, has been Stefani Cast, and not to be confused with Stevani Cast for my Steven Universe friends. Yeah, Gwen Club, where we cover different Gwen <laughs> every day. Uh, Gwen Stacy is next week. And then the week after is Gwenpool. Ah. Uh, we're going to be doing Gwyneth Paltrow, unfortunately. And then we're going to be doing my cover band of just things Gwyneth Paltrow has said in magazines that sound stupid Gwyneth Paltry. <laughs> uh huh. Um,. Fuck you. Uh, that's way too close to some Jenna Jameson of God shit right there. Um, I'm trying so hard not to speak because I want so badly to laugh at my own joke. Uh, shout out to the third member of that band, Lloyd, wherever he is in life. Um, probably somewhere in Manhattan having a good time. Yeah, I uh, I, uh, I ran into him on uh, Scruff one time. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of dicks. Britney Spears. Britney Spears. Spears. Toxic. Oh man, one of the best hooks in the 2000s. Like, I don't think it's arguable. And you know what? She needed this. Yeah. She really needed this. Was this um, her song first or did someone turn this down? I don't know. Okay, you talk about how good the song is and I will look that up. I think it's really important to remember. Okay, so there's that meme that goes around and it's it's Britney Spears in the Pokemon shirt. 
Oh like yeah. Son, yeah, she's super cool. Like her kid is a huge nerd, and she's like super down. Like they made yeah some sort of like Dragon Ball Z costumes to go to a comic con or something like that. Yeah, she just she's actually the world's greatest mom, and you know what? That's like literally the best thing in the world. And I love this new generation of artists that are enjoying setting up in Vegas, like Channing Tatum and Britney Spears and Celine Dion, because it gives them the ability to be there for their kids. And now uh, to bring mm. it all full circle, now Lady Gaga. But yeah. it gives them the opportunity to be there for their kids, and that's really important right now and to these people. And that's great, and I love it. And I, you know, whatever we want to say about Britney Spears, she's she's actually a really cool mom. So I'm not insulting her by any means as, no. as a human being. I am not taking away from her that she's a, a person who has overcome significant mental illness, and that is inspiring to this person with significant mental illness. She's a better parent but, than she ever had, and we saw that publicly. Yes, 100%. Yes, yes. But she's vaguely tone deaf. And that is literally where I was going with all that. Um, she, this was initially offered to now. God, I want to slip into this universe and hear this, and you can fucking hear it. Uh, this was offered to Kylie Minogue. That's so slick and hot; it hurts. This is absolutely a Kylie Minogue song. And you know what? That explain that actually explains a lot. Yeah, I. But I mean, pretty killed it. Oh, that's that's even what I was gonna say. You know, Britney is kind of known for being a pretty weak singer. Yeah. And here she was. Here she was not. And I, I want to give a cool shout out to Brittany that I didn't know about. Uh, so I don't believe I have recorded with you, wonderful people, you beautiful, beautiful people who have followed me on this journey. But I saw Janet. Oh yes, that uh, has been in between, I believe, since yes. Joey was on the last episode. It was. It was literally one of the best nights of my life. I'm not even kidding. It was truly you, one of the best nights of my life. I was like 14 rows back. You sent me a little vine yeah. of... Um, Together again. Of, I, I should have shared this with the, the Cage Club fam. Um, Together again. Because it was the song that started it all. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I was I was really, really um, honored you thought of me oh, during dude, that. that it was so good. And dude, and when she said, this is for you, Mike, I miss you every day. I was like, oh my God, she misses her brother. She's so real. She's human just like you and me. But... Um, one of the things that I loved the most was she still does the motherfucking choreography from the original videos for every song. Wow. To her, choreography is part of the song. It, it's, it's the same as lyrics or vocals. You can tweak and change and update, but you're never going to throw away. And That's really fucking cool. Britney Spears is evidently the same. Huh. Right? How cool is that? Because Britney Spears by no means had, you know, the whole point is Janet released control to be like, now nah, I got a lot of it because now she's got a lot of control, you know, she, she took over her career and then to make a statement that she did more on Rhythm Nation than she did on Control, it's called Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation uh, 1814. Mm. And then to say that she did more on her third record, it's just called Janet period. And it's a statement and like all that kind of shit. Um we know Britney Spears has never had that kind of involvement in her career. So in so many ways, what she's saying is, my fans' enjoyment is paramount. That's really fucking cool. It is. I'm so glad that it was everything you wanted it to be. Yeah. Oh, dude, no. It was, it was, it was, oh my God, man. I couldn't have... Was it a good set? Yeah. Oh my God. She'd like, she because she does uh, what one of my friends referred to as Medley City. She uh, mm. takes like four and five songs and puts them into like one five, six minute medley. And she does that a few times so you, throughout the set to hear. So like, you get a lot more than you would normally get, um, even if they're just little, you know, taste. Yeah. Of it. 
So every now and then she did something where I was like, what the fuck are you thinking? Nobody came to hear this. Are you crazy? But, um... Isn't that kind of fun when artists dig, like, really deep into their own catalog for live shows? Oh, yes, because I also saw Tori since we last got together. Mm -hmm. And, uh... The Tory show was as I mean. Whenever you see Tory, you're literally going to see a set list that you can't even dream up. You you can never dream up a Tori Amos set list. It's impossible. They are. She works so hard to make them so creative and so different. And um, every night, there's a almost every night of a tour, you're guaranteed a song that's only that night on the tour. And frequently, it's a lot of um, once ever songs like. There's tons of them. And there's a song called The Pool, and it's an instrumental from, uh, I want to say the winter single, so off Little Earthquake, so 1992. And for the first time ever in her entire career, she did The Pool live, and she sang the lyrics that were always supposed to go with it. Oh, that's neat. And that's really neat. the entire audience collectively shit ourselves to death. Yeah. Like it was like love and death in the time of cholera. It was just a crazy thing. I don't think that's what that book is about. Are you sure it's not about shitting yourself to death at a Tori Amos concert? Um, I thought that's, I thought that was the whole point of the Oregon Trail to get to Portland to see Tori Amos without getting dysentery and shitting yourself to death. Wait a minute, no, no. Then what's the English patient about? Uh, a guy who has uh, eaten too many scones and given himself diverticulitis. Okay, that I'm positive is ravenous. <laughs> now that's about Edgar Allan Poe getting drunk in Baltimore. I was going to keep going. I was going to be like, isn't that identity? And then like... <laughs> okay. Uh, we're the worst. This is, this, is, this is a good episode. This is... This 35 is... minutes. It's track two. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so Britney Spears' uh, Toxic is literally a, a pop masterpiece. It, it works on a lot of levels because she gives an incredibly dynamic performance in the ways that you need to for this sort of dirty, skanky, like, I kind of call this like L.A. sleaze pop, right? Yeah. And it's LA got that like dirty, skanky kind of like, you know, you shouldn't be barebacking this guy because you don't know where he's been, but God damn that ass, you know what I mean? And like, like it's you said that right when shirtless Tyrese came up into the video. Uh, and like, um, you know, it's very neon and it's a very hot, humid summer night. And mm. um, she she gives that very baby, can't you see? Like very like breathy into it kind of performance. Yeah, and, she is. Yeah, and that's then she, a great description of her in general. She goes into that. And like she kind of like slides and you can hear that it's just out of her comfort zone. And that's even what makes it sexy. She's kind of putting on a show for you a little bit. And then the chorus, she doesn't just put it together. She drives it the fuck home. I don't know how else to, I, I yeah. like, I don't know how else to say it. She kind of rocks back on it. You know what I mean? This, like she, Yes. And as good as she is, I would almost argue uh, the, the synth in this is almost the real star of it. Um, it really bolsters some of those vocals, um, just like the ones you were mentioning. Um, it's got that very, very famous hook um, that is still very relevant today. Um, and it's just all throughout this song. It's really driving it. We were talking about No Doubt doing um, this kind of a synth wave thing. This is this a modern, quote unquote modern, for like 2004. It's a, a fantastic use of synth. Like it's one of the 
best synth-driven pop songs of the last 15 years. There's not many of them anymore, but... I'm going to go a step ahead, and I'm actually going to say this is one of those masterworks that proves why the genre existed. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, it's just an all-around classic. I think it's probably Britney Spears' most enduring song. It's one of my top three. Other two uh, actually being duets, which is really funny. Uh, Me Against the Music is one of the hottest motherfucking songs she's ever done. And Madonna, you are forgettable in it. But Britney hits that like chorus so hot. Um, And uh, Till the World Ends featuring Nicki Minaj and Kesha because woof, I'm wet. Mm. I feel like if you asked people at the time, I think it still probably is overall Baby One More Time. But like I think Oops I Did It Again was people would have thought that was would be the song that was like her like the Britney Spears song and it's just not. It's like it's toxic or baby one more time. Um and yeah. I think Oops I Did It Again actually stands up there. I just I don't think people remember it as well today. Like I've never heard anyone karaoke that song. I've never heard that song come on the radio. In the last couple of years, I've never heard that song get dropped into a set at a club or anything like that. Not that I go to a million clubs, but like I've been dancing um, and I've never heard that get dropped into a set or anything like that. But like tox- toxic for sure every single time. It's obviously way dancier than Baby One More Time. Yeah, it's just. I would say toxic wins. Yeah, I, I toxic, think it does. Toxic. I give it to you. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I do think she's an artist where. The artist is less important than the art she chooses. Much like Rihanna, I don't think anybody's like, "Yes, finally these vocals." Yeah. But like, we're like, "Damn, Rihanna knows how to pick songs," and mm. I still think "Work" is one of the best songs of the last five years. Oof. Okay. But, well, we'll uh, get to dude, that. I thirty years from now, I, I I'll, I'll give a dissertation on. My, I bet I will still. The lyrics. It. It's the lyrics. Seriously, but I do have a Tori Amos reference for this song. She was asked uh, what she thinks about music on the radio today when this song was out, and she was like. That Britney Spears song, Toxic, I is it about toxic shock syndrome? <laughs> like, she clearly didn't understand the song. She didn't hear it. She probably heard it once, but she was convinced Toxic was about toxic shock syndrome. Was she or was... Okay, so here's the thing. I feel like we've talked about this before. <laughs> uh, here goes the next 10 minutes of this show. Is Tori Amos, like, playing a little bit of a character when she's Tori Amos? It's like a little that's bit. a really great. That's okay. You have asked, you have asked the million dollar question. Is what you've asked. Um, and has that character blurred into real life? So Tori Amos is actually a really simple woman, and I'm not even kidding. She likes to make her art, and she likes to take care of her family. She likes her little circle of friends. She loves wine, and she loves tea, and she has thousands of pairs of shoes. She loves going shopping with her daughter and she enjoys working on music that she doesn't release for her own personal collection. Her fans are so beyond devout and we are, you know, she gave a voice to people who felt they didn't have one by having every manic, insane voice you could have. And the things she didn't do, her contemporaries did, but, you know, Bjork's too weird. You know what I mean? Fair. Bjork's too weird. And and Fiona Apple's just angry. And Sarah McLaughlin's kind of a hippie. And Jewel's a yodeling goat. But Tori Amos made records. And she made records about 
things that were so vague but specific, they somehow were exactly about you. And there were always these confrontational ideas. And she said shit like, girls, you got to know when it's time to turn the page, when you're only wet because of the rain. And it's just like, did she really just talk about her pussy being wet? And like, she recorded all these songs about female masturbation over the course of her career over and over again. And Well, I mean, who among us? Right? Nah, yeah, everybody's got a she-bop. And uh, she had the first digital first single. She had the most fan sites of any artist on the internet. You know, she managed to do so many of her amazing accomplishments by being completely under the radar. But you're dodging the question. Like, is is there a little bit of her that's a character? <laughs> so I'm going to say some really intense stuff then. Tori Amos was raped at knife point. Mm-hmm. After a show in the late 80s, yep. uh, and she recorded a song about it called Me and a Gun. Now, that's me and a gun, which clearly changes what's happening. Now, the lyrics to Me and a Gun are disturbing on every level. They are incredibly profound for being a 1991 acapella single. It was me and a gun and a man on my back, and I sang holy holy as he buttoned down his pants. Yes, I wore that slinky red thing. Does it mean that I should spread for you and your friends? And it's it's a really disturbing account of a rape. Yeah, fuck. But it's not her rape. It's it's a character, and it's a character on an e- on a record that's meant to be a diary, and. Then her second record is supposed to be 12 different characters. It's supposed to be um, each song from the perspective of a different woman. And yet somehow there's a song on there called Cornflake Girl. Why does this matter? In the 1980s, Tori Amos did a Cornflake commercial, a Cornflakes commercial, and she beat Sarah Jessica Parker for the role. Hmm. And she says in the song, never was a cornflake girl, but I thought it was a good solution. Hanging with the raisin girls going to the other side, trying to say I tried to be this other thing. So that's actually completely confessional on the record that's meant to be about other people's confessions. There is always performance to the character of Tori Amos, and she is constantly creating um, you know, I always laugh when people are like, oh my God, Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj and the Barbs, Nicki Minaj and the Barbs. Well, mm. not to sound like a dick, but uh, Tori has had dolls on her records going back to the 90s and 2000s. And it's always been a part of who she is to create this character. I think you get to survive being this sort of weird hat wearing artistic muse and heavy eyeshadow. By being formless and kind of letting people project that character onto you. We make it something. We give meaning to her nonsense. I think she holds enough back while putting enough out there and lets us fill in the story. So I think it is a performance, but we create it for her by contextualizing her actions and saying, oh, look how mysterious when sometimes she's not being mysterious, she's just recording a song called The Battle of Trees. Hmm. I think that's as good of an answer as you can give to someone who doesn't have the context uh, that you do. So thank you. I, uh, I appreciate the genuine answer. We're on a lot of the same pages, but like, I get why you liked her Amos, but like, I think you also get why anyone wouldn't. Oh, yeah. But Tori Amos gets an emotional reaction out of me that whether I'm in a good place, I'm in a bad place, I'm I'm hurt, I'm scared, I'm sad, whatever. All of my emotions make sense through her lens. 
I think I think it was all of my emotions make sense through her lens. I think that is extremely profound when it comes to how someone subconsciously or consciously even defines their favorite song or whom their favorite artist is. I think that is probably the single best single sentence, single, 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 uh, single best single sentence description of why an artist is your favorite artist that I've ever heard in my life. Well, I'm really glad I got to be part of that for you. I'm going to use that. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. What's the Fuck. third fucking song? We're at 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to speed run some of this stuff. Um, uh, Ludacris, stand up. Uh, when I move, you move just like that. Dope song. Um, always fun when it shows up in a mashup because all of fucking Ludacris' stuff works extremely well in mashups. Uh, I'm about to punch your lights out. Yeah, Ludacris is fun as shit. Um, I feel like it's gonna come up every time. Like his, you can't his individual top that. songs. Yeah, song by song, maybe there's like it takes a lot for one of his songs to stand out. I think that that one is a good example of one. This one maybe less so. Uh, but like it's still fun, and it's still a highlight of this era of hip hop on the radio. It's yeah, it's a good time. It's if it came on, you'd start dancing, you'd start bumping, you'd start grinding, and you wouldn't have to feel bad about it because Ludacris seems like a pretty cool guy. Mm-hmm. That's a testament to that you can have provocative, fun, sexy music, and not currently have all of your images on the internet slapped with "he's part of the problem." Yeah, so Chingy featuring Ludacris and Snoop Dogg, Holiday Inn. So hey, here's Ludacris again. So okay, I have a great story about this. I can I can literally encapsulate sure. this whole song down to like a sentence. My mom constantly sings one song at the dinner table when, like, we're all together and the family is, and for whatever reason, my mom, like, locked on this one part of her mind. She sings, um, Big Pimpin' at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, I mean, it is. Every time. We've talked a lot about how, like, um, annoying pronunciation is, like, a thing to do now, and, uh, like, it's still happening. Uh, like this song isn't bad, but it's it's it doesn't deserve like it can't exist outside of 2004. Like it is there and it's going to stay there and it's OK that it stays there. Don't listen to this song now unless you're in that mindset. Like it's 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 not a song for now. It is a song for then. It is a it is an unbearably forgettable song and it nope. has not aged well. There's you can make a really good dollar creating music at the right height of a genre and style success without worrying about how long they'll last and will they stand the test of time. Holiday Inn was, you know, I feel like Chingy was like, hey, and Snoop Dogg was like, dizzle I'm in. And, you know, Ludacris was probably like, I'm not problematic. And they got together and made a song. Have enjoyed Snoop Dogg in the past. Uh, I think we've... I love Snoop Dogg. He's so fucking funny. Yeah, but I think we've hit the point where he's become... I mean, even in 2004, uh, certainly today, but like even in 2004, I think we've hit self-parody Snoop Dogg level. 
Um, we have hit shows up in porn. We have hit is bones. selling shit in infomercials. <laughs> yeah, we have <laughs> bones. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't know he was in an episode of Bones. <laughs> oh, no. wait. Wasn't he in that terrible... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely a bad movie night rental around this time period. That movie was so bad. Oh, oh, I think God, he might also show up in... A, the... Or maybe no, I'm sorry. Ice-T, I believe, shows up in some leprechaun in the hood. Uh, Ice... Yeah. Um, you know a movie is really Dog... bad when you're rooting for the storm to take the power out? <laughs> Snoop Dogg has... His own anthology movie, I believe, called Snoop Dogg's... It's not Tales from the Hood, because that's a good movie. Snoop Dogg's Tales of Terror, I believe. Not worth seeing. Don't see any movie that Snoop Dogg is in. But I was hoping you were going to be like, Snoop Dogg has his own off-brand trapped in the closet. It's called, like, <laughs> Stuck in the Bong or something. <laughs> no, I'm trapped in the bong. Um, Can't get out of the bong. Speaking of... Stuck in the bong. <laughs> Speaking of rappers turned actors, let's do West Side Connection, Gangsta Nation. Only because this is like Ice Cube's 2004 supergroup that nobody remembers. You know, I love Nate Dogg's inclusion in, in anything. Because, like, I don't get Nate Dogg. He's, he, I just don't think, like, I, I, like, I I sometimes get, like, really this stammered by uh, artists where I'm like, are you, are you, are you talented? (laughs) Uh, yeah. He just, he's, like, such an average singer. Like, I, God damn, I have friends that sing along with the radio in the car. Like, where I'm like, you've got more talent. This song does. I think people probably won't remember this song by its name or artist, no. but um, like it's it's a song that you probably remember. But like again, uh, I think Holiday is probably more worth revisiting than this. This is even more forgettable than that because at least that has a hook. I, this has just. I think this sounds like the song that they got when they couldn't get the better, more popular song, and that's probably why you know it so well because you know it from cheaper licensing. Yeah, this is like faux Ice Cube production. I mean, uh, Ice Ice T production. Nah, um, next song. No, who am I? No, not Ice Cube. Um, uh, Dre, sorry. I'm just all times mix. I'm just mixing up all of the West Coast African American rappers because that's uh, I'm I'm a massive racist uh, and I'm sorry. In your defense, and, uh, I'm we're gonna be taking some time away from the podcast. In your defense, though, um, legitimately, this is a really the the beat on this song is. It sounds like every that's that's kind of what I was gonna say. I you know yeah the, the beat on this song is so generic and so derivative. You could have named almost any rapper from the West Coast, and the argument is there that this is a very derivative rap. The, the, the whole song, the whole thing is just not, it's not the strongest track on this now. There's a lot better inclusions. That's nah, Thank next you. song. <laughs> Thank you for covering my doing a racism. Um, Sarah Connor, Bounce. this talk about doing a racism this is mind-boggling this is well i mind i think i'm really proud hey sarah connor is a survivor okay she survived two terminators coming back in time to kill her and still had a successful music she's not career. gonna give up she's not gonna stop she's gonna get off of beauty and the beast and start working out harder 
She's a survivor. <laughs> I'm not going to wear makeup. I'm going to marry James Cameron. I. But can we attack this song now? Oh, yeah. Um, so, Sarah Connor, uh, as I learned from you when I initially texted you, what the fuck is this song? Uh, is like the female David Hasselhoff? Question mark? Basically, she's like the best-selling Danish artist or something, or, or German. She's like the best-selling artist from whichever European... This is where we're doing a reverse racist, <laughs> because we're like, white people are the same, and they're all European. Yes. No one cares. So I think Sarah Connor is doing racism, because this sounds like a rejected like Destiny's Child B-side. Yeah, where's, where's uh, Tom when we need him? He could tell us which country this is from. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, sure he would tell us. He knows everything about Europe. And I, I can't believe I got through that whole episode without doing a brogue once, and I went to I'm go do really it just proud of now. You. I, I, you know, and I'm not doing it to be to be respectful because he's a cool dude, and he really hung in there with me being like, "Oh my god!" But Robbie Williams, so like, it's it's really cool of him. Yes, that, so I'm going to spare him the accent. Um, our Brexit correspondent is always listening. Just remember that when you're going to do a terrible accent. I, you're 100 percent right. Um, yeah. So this chick was like. Banging huge in Latveria, and she, um, she just like this song sucks. It sucks so bad, and <laughs> it's, it's not good. And it's so ugly that it samples uh, no, um, "Family Affair" by Mary J. Yes. Blige. Holy shit! From yes. last year, what was that? Now twelve? Now ten? Yeah. It was a recent enough now that I'm sort of like we recently made a reference to in one of the episodes somebody sampled something where we were like yeah this is like sampling something from literally a year ago this and is like it happened yeah what what was it it was in an early now uh, but somebody oh, I don't know somebody sampled Miss somebody referenced Miss Jackson oh yeah um. Yes, uh, one of those, yes, yes, one of those songs, like track eights from a now that is just completely forgettable. You're absolutely right. And we were like, this is ridiculous. That would be like if this year, right now, somebody released something and referenced... Um, I, like, I guarantee you there's a song from this year that references <laughs> Bad and Bougie or something like that. Like, I'm, I'm sure that that has happened. That is the speed at which we meme our music. Okay, wait, real quick. Yeah. This is so funny, and you have to cut it because we're already at an hour. But I was oh, saying okay. to Kevo that, like, I wonder what would happen if we took music a step further. Like, what if you heard this new, like, pop song on the radio, and you're like, this is really catchy. I can't quite understand the lyrics, but these guys, the harmonies are tight. What's their name? They're the Cart Boys. That's, that's a weird name. And you keep listening to it, and you're like... You're starting to learn the words, and you're singing along, and you're like, you're always there for me. And you're like, oh, this is really cute. I really like it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, lowest price guaranteed. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what the fuck? And it turns out the record is, like, sponsored by Walmart. And, like, most of the songs sound really normal, but every now and then you get, shh, the pharmacy is closed. And it's like, you can't figure out exactly what's happening. And I was like, you know, how far would they take this? And Kevin was like, honey, that happened. It was called the late 90s. Um, and he pointed out the number of artists that did like McDonald's jingles and that um, the Spice Girls had Generation Next, the Pepsi song, move over oh. on okay. their second album. And I just thought it was really funny that I was like, what happens if music becomes completely corporately sponsored? And Kevin was like, honey, that was your childhood. Yeah, it's it's also there was like a brief period in like, 2010 where there was a bunch of like youtube cover bands that were like completely corporately sponsored yeah music isn't real anymore 
Yeah. Um, uh, so speaking wait. of the perfect band to segue into. Yeah, right? Uh, Black Eyed Peas, Shut Up. I love this song. I don't care. I think Fergie's a national treasure. I don't even give a shit. I, I think MILF money is the fucking best thing I've ever heard. I think London Bridge is the second best thing I've ever heard. I think as long as you take her with a little bit of humor and a whole lot of meth, she makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't care enough about Fergie's <laughs> solo stuff one way or another to like even answer you. <laughs> it's like, okay, fuck it, sure. Uh, but the Black Eyed Peas are really fucking annoying. Um, there's something about Will I Am's production and like, oh, if he just didn't insert himself into every song, if like yeah, their I mean, songs like, would be three hundred percent better. Speaking of Britney Spears, uh, sing and shout. I don't know what that is. It, it's a Britney Spears song with Will I Am, and it's either oh, sing and shout or swing and shout, and let it all out, scream and shout, and let it all out. If he just wasn't okay. on it. It would be a ten times better song. Like, um. You actually probably have heard it. Oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, oh. If you heard it. Oh. I have no idea. Okay, sure. He is the master of the musical catchphrase. Yeah, I guess. He is just as good as Pharrell. I'd argue he's like the... Coming up with phrases that get stuck in our head. Well, he's a jingle writer, but it, it turns into three and a half minute pop songs. Like, that boom, boom, pow could totally be a fucking Doritos slogan. <laughs> I'll never forget when, um... Let's get uh, retarded in here for Monster Energy. You're like, come on. What was the, uh... I Got a Feeling? When I Got a Feeling came out, and the first time I heard it, I was like, this is literally the, the most fun song I've ever heard in my entire... Did he just say L'Chaim? <laughs> Mazel Tov. L'Chaim! And, like, it... I. So then I remember a bunch of me and my friends being around the dinner table and that song kind of came up and we were like, this is the best damn song. And it got to the L'Chaim part and a couple of uh, of my friends were like, I'm literally embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. You know, I think the fact that most people don't realize, I, I can't believe, uh, okay, I don't want to miss any more episodes because some of, the, some, of, some of the stuff, I was just like how I needed to shout at you guys. How did you not know that it was, can I get a fuck you? How did you not know that? And like... All sorts of stuff. Yeah, well. Um, but um, like, I one of you did not know this was originally let's get offensive R-worded. And I think that's ridiculous uh, that it was originally that, not that you didn't know. Um, the original version of let's get it started, the let's get it uh, offensive is mm-hmm. um, not as well produced. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm not going to say he's a bad producer. He's just an overproducer and he should get out of his own songs. Oh, I just mean like he, he actually like shut up sounds a little bit closer to the original. Let's get it started. I agree. Where it's not quite as lush. He gets really good at lush. He gets really yeah. good at at very shiny. Yeah. And okay, here sure. he's not yet shiny. Shut up is kind of generic, but it's the kind of um, generic that could be on a now, no matter who it's by. Yeah. I mean, I'd like it more than Black Eyed Peas songs that are to come, if that's saying okay. anything, which I don't think it is. Um, I just so want to go on record as saying the best Black Eyed Peas song ever, by far, is the Alanis Morissette cover of My Humps. Uh, 
Do you remember it? Nick Cannon. Wait, no, no. Do you remember that cover though? No, no. It's super ironic. No, it's super ironic. She does it really like, like super dramatically. What you gonna do with all that junk? It's really funny. You got a link to it. No, dude, it's so funny. I'm gonna play it into my mic in a minute. It's so funny. <laughs> okay, Nick uh, Cannon, Jiglo featuring R. Kelly. So here's my Mariah reference. Uh, mm-hmm. He gave her her beautiful babies. And True. Um, now time to tear into R. Kelly. R. Kelly is an incredibly talented songwriter. He likes to piss on little girls and keep them trapped on buses and started a cult about himself, and that's evidently really uncomfortable and weird. But, uh, you know, things you just never thought you'd have to think about. The guy who wrote I Believe I Can Fly also believes that he can abduct minors, and it's just uncomfortable. But I bring it all up because um, this song kind of feels like um, R. Kelly got to the studio and he was like, Nickelodeon is paying me to write for this child. Oh my God. Thank you so um, much. Because I was okay. thinking the same thing. Why are they dressing up Nick Cannon like Cat Williams? So, does it matter how good it is? Oh, hey, yeah. I was in that Space Jam soundtrack. Yeah, okay. I've got this great thing. Do, 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 do. Isn't that great? Great. I'm done. Okay, goodbye. I. It's so lazy. It's so reductive. It's boring. It's predictable. It sounds like a nursery rhyme. It's insulting. It's bad. You stole money from teenagers. Yes. Beyonce, me, myself, and I. These. The second best song on now that is uh, called Me, Myself, and I. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's the best one because that other song was trash. Uh, even though this song is not great. Yeah, this is like one of the more forgettable Beyonce songs. Um, yeah. Are we still on first album Beyonce at this point? I think so. Yeah. So like this is this is that Aaliyah like fourth single into an album spot. Yeah, this um, is definitely the first album. Yes, it is. This yeah. is definitely. Um, so this is hitting that, you know, that graveyard slot for the album. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, I have said that I don't necessarily always think Beyonce is like the most amazing, but like if you don't respect her artistry, it's because you're an idiot. And, uh, yes. you know, you can still see traces of who she's going to become in this video. You can still hear it in the performance. But overall, this is a pretty forgettable track and mm-hmm. uh, a pretty uh, just unflattering all around. It's just not Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it bad, um, but I mean, like, I think at this point, you know, back then it's just like, oh, okay, Beyonce's doing like a ballad off of her album where she has a bunch of songs where she's saying, fuck you, I'm awesome. Um, like, okay, this is a nice break. But like now we've hit a point where like we just expect more. So going back and hearing this, just like, uh, well, I don't, why? I don't care. There's so much more we can do with this. Like, why are we settling in yeah. 2017 when we can listen to any other Beyonce song? Uh, you just, this, it's not a song 
that would make like a Beyonce's greatest hits these days. No, but it's the kind of song you did just applaud Janet Jackson for putting into her set. So there does have to be a, Jan- uh, a Beyonce fan out there somewhere who's like, no, I want to hear me, myself, and I. Fuck you guys. Oh, totally. It's even less of a deep cut than that because this was at least a single. There's definitely people that love this song, but it's just, you know, in, in the realm of Beyonce, I don't need to hear this at a live set. One of the big things I like to say, and I, I love to say these things um, to, my, to my students. Uh, this one I don't say to the students so much, but like if anybody's ever like, you know, yeah, yeah you, I'm the smartest at this or I'm the best at that, or I kind of hate superlatives like that. Mm-hmm. So I love to just say, hey, you know what, dude? You know what you got to learn? There's always a bigger bull. Straight mm. up. Like that is all there is to it. Um, and <laughs> that's, not, that's not how that, that goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. And the converse of it is someone out there's favorite song has to be Gloria. Yes, yes. There's always someone who loves a song, which like something is everyone's favorite movie. Uh, yeah, no. I, that, I mean, if this is someone's favorite song, that's a lot less sad than someone's favorite song being like, I don't know, the next one or the one before it. Oh, Beyonce, you're too good for this song, but we forgive you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's next? <laughs> Baby Bash, Shorty Doo-Wop, featuring Tiffany I love this Valerio. song. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's I don't, unbelievably stupid. It is like, it is like, I, it, it, it is, it is embarrassing. It, and the music video is more embarrassing, and it is this song is fucking is fucking tongue to taint the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Um, I'm going to very quickly. There's nothing. There's li- how is there literally? Take the now and again challenge and go fill in the rap genius website for this song because there is nothing for it, and that seems criminal. There's literally not a single thing. You out there on Twitter and Facebook, go, go, um, Cliff Notes, Shorty Doo-Wop for us, please. It deserves it. While you still can before net neutrality is completely This is the gone. first thing that goes during net neutrality. They're just like, uh, drag this one straight to the recycle bin of the internet. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, guys, you gotta Shorty Doo-Wop. You gotta. It's, I, this song is so stupid. It's like... And I was the one who was like, no, no, Frankie J, Baby Bash, Sugar Sugar. No, this song is real. For real though, for real though, for real though. She, the girl in the movie, and I'm the hero. Suck with me when I violated P-roll and came up when she started with a zero. Baby Bash, Latino Robert De Niro. She got with me because hubby was a weirdo. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, 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 please tell me some of that is like you're drunk and you're having trouble reading. I mean, yes, but I got all of that word for word. Oh, God, that's. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know about this one, right? Hubby was a weirdo. <laughs> I mean, it's got a beat. Uh. I mean, most songs have a beat. Joe Jackson beat Michael Jackson. I don't know why that counts for anything. Oh, man. Do you think everyone involved with the music video is embarrassed? I think then they were like, yeah. Uh, They've been giving us 40s all day. I'm, I, I, where's my car? Can somebody please, 
can somebody call my wife? I just don't feel right. And like, I think now they're like, yeah, guys, it was really scary to tell me I got dosed and forced into that baby bash video. You know what I mean? Oh, no. You just wake up in the woods. You're just surrounded by empty coolers. And you're like, oh, no, I got baby bashed. <laughs> It's, it's like the Not summer again. answer to Krampus. <laughs> oh. I got baby bash. No, guys, I have a tattoo now that says no regrets. Help me someone. There's a pack of cigarettes in my cuff. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. I've cut all of my shirts into tank tops. <laughs> my husband is listening in I just Facebook messaged me did you just say no rugrats oh yeah I got baby best we've all gotten baby best <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny I think because it's like Gay-bashing for babies. Uh, uh, ma'am, I'm sorry. Your, your your child didn't survive birth. He uh he had shorty do up. <laughs> We're so sorry to call so late, ma'am. But there's been an, there's been an attack. Little Dylan got baby America's infant mortality ranking is never going to go up unless we do something about all this shorty doo-wop. Oh my god. It's the Bloods versus the Cribs. Um, Oh my god. Next song, we're both going to get shot. Next song. Can we just end the episode? Oh, wait. Oh, fuck. I don't even know if we should keep going. Um, We're off the air. (laughs) <laughs> oh fuck um okay, <coughs> okay one, one more song oh, let's try to redeem ourselves but it's uh almost certainly not gonna happen with uh aemon aemon um definitely an elf from lord of the ring uh aemon's i don't want you back Kudos for uh, releasing a song as a single that absolutely cannot play on the radio ever, even though it did. There's songs where sometimes it's like, you know, you have a hard time believing how how many how many bleeps there have to yeah. be. It's it's actually shocking to try and wrap your head around it. First of all, this guy is just this side of tone deaf. And has a horrible voice. I, so I'm not going to lie. I kind yeah. of love that about the song. It, um, it gives me that kind of uh, got what I need vibe from it. You know what? If I believed for a second that this guy didn't think he was getting revenge on this girl, if I didn't for one – I mean maybe I'm just typecasting him into the villain because he played a really convincing villain in the music video. Oh, no. He's absolutely a piece um. of shit. 
And uh, oh, oh gosh, I'm so excited. So last episode, you guys talked about um, that song by Nina Sky. Uh, sure, we did. I don't. We recorded um, that in June. Not Nina Sky. No, 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 no. Um, uh, Nina Simone. You wanna know that there ain't no other but just gonna God. Oh God damn it! I'm, uh, wait. Never leave you. Sure. Never leave you. All right. And you were like, this song sounds so weird. Oh, Lumidy. It sounds like yes. it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, Lumidy. Oh, Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. It did sound weird. Yeah. It's because the vocals are from one song and the music is from another and they got mixed right. together. Yeah. You you frantically Facebook messaged that to us when you were, when you were listening was, to the episode. Dude, I'm listening to the episode and I've got like, seriously, I, I'm, I'm listening to the episode and I've got like 230 pounds in my hands and I'm trying to press and I'm screaming into the sky and everybody's looking at me like I'm on fire and I'm like, you don't understand, it's it's 90s music and like, oh my God, it's ridiculous. Um, no, this song sucks. The song sucks. He sucks. Like, maybe he's even a good person. And maybe he's become a pastor. And maybe he gives to charity. And maybe he's adopted seven kids. And maybe, 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 maybe he offered his arm for a dude who lost his dick in the war to grow an arm on his dick. <laughs> I mean, grow his dick on his arm. Um, I think this song is so bad it's good, honestly. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go back and listen I, I to it, wish. but it's like, there, as I listen to the song, I'm like, <laughs> I'm having fun. I think sticking your French fries in your frosty at Wendy's is so bad. It's good. I think the song is just a fucking train wreck. <laughs> uh, well, there are people who watch train wreck videos on the YouTube, but there's also people who watch PewDiePie. So there, what do I know? There's always a bigger bull <laughs> and Iman is someone's favorite artist of all time. Uh, we did the baby bash. It was a graveyard smash. <laughs> oh God! How is little Dylan? I don't know. He hasn't. We, he hasn't come out of surgery yet. He got baby bashed. Um. Do we want to even do another one? I, are we? Are we just gonna try to plow through all of these? Dude, okay. Well, this going. is the end of. Uh, this is this is the end of side one. Um, flip the tape in your Teddy Ruxpin now. 